Local voices, local conversations. You're listening to NapaBroadcasting.com. Thanks for joining us here at Napa Broadcasting. For those that are old enough, you may remember that one of the crazy ideas that came out of counterinsurgency during the Vietnam War was the idea that you had to destroy a village in order to save it. It was counterintuitive, and maybe it was right or wrong, but it went to the heart of a broader argument that we see over and over again in so many areas, that in order to do better and really focus on long-term good, we have to go beyond the immediate emotional reaction to something and see the big picture, such as the case with forests in the state of California. Many are overgrown, populated with millions of dead trees, and the state has neither the resources nor the manpower to deal with this. And the cost, with respect to both environmental damage and extreme fire danger, is counter to what we expect to be happening in our forests. All of this is the subject of a comprehensive and enlightened article written by my guest Julie Cart, who is the environmental reporter for Cal Matters. It is my pleasure to welcome Julie Cart here to the program. Julie, thanks so much for joining us. It's my pleasure, Jeff. Most people, when they look at the forest, as you point out early on in the article, see this glorious bounty of nature. And in fact, the reality is that it's kind of a disaster waiting to happen. Talk about this in the broad sense first. Well, there's a broad sense, and then there's the, the, the view of, of fire. The broad sense is that fire was a... a natural uh, part of any ecosystem. It, it, it came and went, natural fires with uh, lightning. Native Americans used to light fires to clear land and to chase out animals and things like that. Um, but we, we are afraid of fire. I guess we're cavemen at heart. So since for 200 years, 100 and a half years, um, men and women have sought to put out fires. So the the forests are very, very full in most places. And that density, rather than being a sign of health, is, uh, from a biological standpoint, uh, really uh, difficult. It makes it difficult for trees to compete for, for, for nutrients, for sun, for water, and it also uh, compounds problems of fire. How did the situation get this bad? Well, there's two parts of it. Uh, the situation in terms of forest policy got to this point because the U.S. Forest Service, which used to do most of the firefighting, in the, uh, certainly in the American West, uh, started a policy um, in the 19th century of putting out fires as quickly as possible. And that's because of the fear that they would get out of hand and they didn't have the, the capacity to, to contain them. And also just because the fires in the cases that they were talking about um, were occurring so near to people. So they put out fires um, not allowing what would be considered a natural burn, and uh, it, it led to a, some overgrowth. Of course, there was quite a lot of timber cutting at that time, too. So it became a, there was a policy of when we see a fire, we jump on it and we put it out. The second part of it in California uh, is the, the drought um, and bark beetle infestation. So you have stressed trees. In especially the southern Sierra Nevada range that um, are ripe for beetles to jump on them and uh, start 
boring through and, and basically killing these trees. When you have that kind of tree density, these guys jump from tree to tree. That's a bit simplistic, but it, they don't have to travel very far. And it, again, uh, just sort of speeds up and, and makes worse a, a problem. So the two-prong, there's a policy, there are environmental um, uh, situations that have caused it as well. Is, in fact, one of the problems and one of the fears as it relates to fire that we have also built closer and closer to these forests? That's, that's completely the problem, Jeff. The, the imperative to put out fires is different in places, densely populated places like California than, say, Alaska, where there are fires that, that go for, for months at a time. They're, they're monitored, they're watched, in some cases they're herded around. Uh, by fire managers, but they have a role to play and they're not doing any harm. There's some air quality issues, but generally speaking, they let them go. In Southern California, there is um, this funny little place that uh, fire people call the Wildland Urban Interface, the WUI, and it is where we all want to live. Everyone wants to be on the edge of something. The next, the next, and then another subdivision, leapfrogs. You have Lake Tahoe where people are plunked down right in the middle of forests. It's, it's a beautiful place to live in redwoods, etc. So the imperative then becomes we have to save people and then property. And there's no idea, there's no even opportunity in the minds of, of the, the, the fire folks to put these fires, or to, excuse me, to allow them to burn at all be, and, and do some of this work of clearing the forest because you, you just can't allow it because of the, the person, the danger, public safety. The other interface that's just as critical, it seems, is between state forest land and private property that's forested. Yeah, it makes managing a landscape extremely difficult when you have this mosaic. So just kind of big numbers, um, 30% of California is forested. It's not the only place where fires occur, but those are the, the, the kind of uh, mega fires that we're talking about, what Napa experienced and what Southern California experienced at the few months ago. So you have um, 30% of it is forested. 60% of that forested land is owned by the federal government. And California, it comes in about 2% as far as ownership. And the rest is this, uh, please don't do the math, <laughs> but the rest is a, a sort of complex, uh, certainly private property, county, uh, all kinds of smaller ownership. And each entity has a different approach has different uh, tools, and it makes it very, very complicated. Now, the state and the Forest Service, the U.S. Forest Service, so state is uh, managed by CAL FIRE, that's our firefighter, firefighting force, and the U.S. Forest Service have an agreement called a good neighbor policy that was embedded in a, in a federal bill that allows each to work on the other land. So what makes people crazy is... Um, or, or uh, irritated, I, I guess is a better term. The, the Forest Service um, common complaint in rural California, the Forest Service isn't managing the, the, its forest, its land proper, properly. I have a ranch, a farm, a vineyard adjacent to it. A fire starts on their land, and because of this overgrowth and because of this 
poor stewardship, that allows the fire to grow and come onto my property, then I'm stuck with it. So everybody screams and yells, and uh, as we know, that's part of living in California. And what, if anything, is being done to begin to address this? And, and, and also, why has it been so difficult to get the focus put on this? Well, it's difficult on so many levels. There are the optics of fire. Um, there is, which we, as I said, in our reptilian brain, fire is bad. Uh, and we are afraid of it, and we can't very often control it. There are the difficulties in cutting trees, both, um, again, with what it looks like when you have a healthy, what otherwise people might consider a healthy forest. It's sitting there, and then you get these crews in there, and their chainsaws are going, and, and uh, uh, sawdust is flying, and that looks bad um, and can be. Um, and there's also the, 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 the difficulty uh, and expense of doing that work. It's very, very expensive to go into a forest, a hillside, steep hillside, and start cutting trees, removing them, and then disposing of them. So, I mean, a homeowner, one of the problems homeowners in California are landowners are, are experiencing uh, is this epidemic of dead trees, 129 million dead trees across the state. It, removing trees is very expensive. It can be $1,000 a tree. So it's not really any less, even though there's tremendous volume, uh, on the U.S. And, and state forests. So it's really expensive. And to do it by hand, which is called a mechanical treatment, where you pick small diameter trees because you want to keep the big ones, that then becomes expensive in and of itself. And then there's no commercial value for that wood. So you are removing at great expense something that you can't then turn around and sell to kind of pay for the project. It, it, it's, it's complicated on so many levels. If you want to burn, which is um, a, an efficient, again, but very fraught process, they're called controlled burns or prescribed fires. So at this time of year when we're not supposed to be having fires, although <laughs> we had them in January, right. there's really no fire season anymore that, that's demarked. So this time of year, um, forest managers would would have already identified places where they that are in need of this, usually around communities. One of the things you point out also in, in the article is that the dead trees in these forests aren't doing the environment any good at all. They've sort of outlived their usefulness in that regard. Well, the importance of forests are just so it's impossible to overstate the importance of forests to California. There are watershed, the Sierra Nevada, that's the focus of a, a recent report uh, in, on these topics. Um, the Sierra Nevada holds 60% of the state's watershed. So trees serve what they call ecological services or ecosystem services. They hold water in, so there are water watershed. They absorb carbon through photosynthesis, so they're taking carbon out of the air. Uh, and so they're called carbon sinks, and then they provide all the habitat and, and all the other things that, that we know that forests do. So when trees die, they release carbon because they're carbon-based entities, as we are, and they lose, so they're not only losing their capacity to help us pull carbon out of the air and reduce greenhouse gases, they are emitting greenhouse gases, and that is very bad. And burned trees and dead trees emit something called black carbon that is on another order uh, worse in terms of emissions. 
there are when fires occur, high severity fires, um, the carbon that's released uh, is, in in some cases. Uh, comparable to, it can be a a couple months of a fire, it can equal the number of emissions from cars in California for a year. I mean, it's quite serious. So there is a a climate change impact, both uh, positive for healthy forests and negative for ones that burn or die. What has been state policy with respect to this? And how bad is the shortage of resources to address this? You were talking earlier about how expensive this was. Cal Fire has a budget of more than $2.5 billion. The problem that California faces is because of the public safety issues of fire suppression, fighting fires, that is taking precedence over doing projects and doing things that can uh, mitigate these fires when they occur. No one is saying that, that there's no fireproof forest or even any place in California. Fires will, will occur. What you want to do is reduce their size and severity. So th- that's very, very expensive. But the, the, the more expensive thing is to spend money on the back end putting out the fires than it is to do the work on the front end. So what the, to answer your question, what the agencies say is, we never catch our breath. We don't ever have a down moment where we can take the crews that are the firefighters and make them the forest uh, clearers and do, the, do that kind of work because they, they feel like they never have a moment to, to get ahead. So it is hugely expensive. Um, the state uh, augments Cal Fire's budget fairly generously, understanding this is a pretty serious problem, with money from the Greenhouse Gas Reduction Fund, more than $200 million from that, uh, which is the money that is uh, gained from the cap-and-trade program that California has, um, carbon selling of carbon credits. And that money goes to CAL FIRE, which then gives it to local communities, um, counties, uh, small groups to do the forest clearing that, that the agency can't necessarily do. Um, so it's, it's, it's almost an intractable problem because it is so complex and so ongoing that you, you know, they just really don't ever feel like they can get ahead of it and, and start doing the backlog, what you might consider the backlog of the work. It's also a vicious cycle in that the slower the progress is in clearing these forests, the more fires that we're clearly going to have, the more resources that go into fighting the fires, and the less resources and time for clearing. That's completely it, and I'm, I'm quite delighted that I'm not in charge of all this to try to, to sort it out. Um, so a lot of the problem or some impediments that, that are often cited, uh, that are in the way of doing this work, uh, one of the big ones is public perception. Um, I, for the, for the story I did for CalMatters, I, I interviewed a a couple of forest service guys in the Plumas National Forest and, uh, up in the northern Sierra, and they said, you know, we, we, it takes years and years, and it's no exaggeration, to uh, plan uh, a burn uh, with 
very understandable and and reasonable environmental restrictions because you have to make sure you're not uh, in a place that's particularly sensitive for endangered species or there's a public safety issue they have to get because these burns that are part of the forest clearing are um, also carbon emitters, so there's an air quality issue. They're, they need permission. They have to understand meteorological uh, trends and things like that. Anyway, there's, there's a lot that, are, that, that makes it difficult to plan one of these, and, and they can take three years uh, from the time that you identify, say, 100 acres where you want to burn to the, the day that you can start it. Um, anyway, these guys say that uh, the, the public part of it is uh, the, they were burning, they were planned they, in the middle of a prescribed burn above the town of Quincy uh, that they felt was quite imperiled by this hillside of overgrown uh, forest. They started to burn, and then suddenly the wind changed and they were an hour into it that took a couple of years to plan and all these people around and uh phone started ringing people said there's smoke coming into town there's you know we're we're under fire siege and understandably and it got shut down so we need according to forest authorities we need to to better accept and understand exactly what this work is you know, when we see crews out there cutting, um, it's it's not the evil timber industry uh, clear-cutting California to, to make a profit. It is um, public land that we all own that is being managed um, to, to keep everybody safe and to keep the forests healthy. I mean, that's, that's another issue. It's really it, – the, the healthy forests will help us all is, I think, the bottom line for them. And with respect to the private property and, and the forests on private property, what, if any, incentives is the state providing to get landowners to do clearing on their land? It's really an owner's burden financially for private pop- property owners to manage their property for fire, to, to protect not just themselves, but should a fire occur, uh, to keep it off other people's land, because nobody wants that to happen. Um, the state prov- has a pretty robust grant program uh, to help with that. Um, I don't think in any regard it ever pays fully for that, but there are local groups, um, there's, there's CAL FIRE, and ca- counties where this is an issue uh, are, are kind of in that program, and they, they can get their hands on that money or request it at any rate. It's Everyone has to do their part because we're connected. So the fire, uh, I, I realize it's simplistic, but the fire doesn't stop at a border and say, well, we better not go here. This is this, is this guy's <laughs> private ranch, and we've been burning on state property or forest service property or park service property. So one person's neglect does impact another landowner's property, and that's so, so there's a requirement that everybody uh, – uh, be fire safe, and that goes beyond the the kind of norm that everybody, that a lot of people are aware of, which is keep your firewood away from your house and the clearing around your house. This is uh, a, a much larger scale uh, kind of fire fireproofing, and um, it's it's a it's quite expensive. And to what extent have environmental rules and regulations, and you mentioned permits and the like before? To what extent has that hindered sometimes private property owners from doing what they need to do on their side? Yeah, California's environmental laws are usually 
pretty easy to scapegoat for um, slowing down lots of projects, and, and they're there for a reason. Um, I, I think the air, the air quality issues around fire are very real. Um, there are huge health problems that I'm, I'm sure your listeners uh, who, who remember the, the fires at the end of the year, I mean, it, it's a very, very serious problem um, and uh, not to be taken lightly. So when you're doing a prescribed burn, these, these fires that for, are for clearing, uh, it, it, it makes perfect sense that you would have to consider what the emissions are from those fires, and not just in the terms of carbon and greenhouse gases, but just public health. But the argument is that they are, or, or the science would say, that though the release, the, both the emissions and the carbon from those fires that are set purposely, they're low intensity, uh, are much smaller than high intensity, severe fires. But private property owners, I mean, they're... In some cases, you can get permits. Florida has a really interesting model for this um, of training private property owners to how to do these fires, how to, to manage controlled burns on their own property. They're trained, and then they're certified, and then they're indemnified by the state. So I have five acres, and I'm doing a, a controlled burn that I have a permit for that everybody is aware is happening, kind of keeping their eye on it. And if something happens, not through negligence, uh, because you just can't control everything, uh, and it gets, it destroys property or gets onto someone else's land, the state helps them out. The state, you, you don't have an incredible burden because it's understood it's, this is, uh, you know, enlightened self-interest. If you do that, it's cheaper for us. So we're going to pick up a little bit of the load. And they have a big education program. So people understand when they see burning that it's not necessarily an emergency. It's, it's, uh, it's actually for good or it can be. So private property owners have uh, a, a recognized right in Florida to manage their, their land. And the state has uh, helped them along managing it in a, in a more scientific way. Uh, uh, fire safe way and California some some people here think California needs to look at that and and there's some legislation coming out that that might uh, address that that you can't hamstring private property owners who have a big role to play by uh, what some people might consider onerous uh, environmental uh, blocks but they're there for a reason I mean it, it, it's a bit you, you, you can't broadly say that environmental laws in California are stopping these projects. They just simply aren't. But, and I think we would not want uh, pretty random and wanton cutting and burning. It's, you, you do have to consider uh, the, the holistic uh, system that you're dealing with. Right. You had mentioned the optics before, and it's an issue that, that private property owners have to deal with as well with respect not just of controlled burns, but cutting and clearing as well. Oh yeah, I mean, you, we're we're all busybodies. You know, we we look at uh, go up to Yosemite and we see cutting and say, how dare them desecrate this beautiful national park? Um, maybe those trees are coming down because they're a public because they're dead or dying, and they're a public health and safety issue. Um, there, it's we all 
peek over the hedge and, and say, boy, that guy's got a really messed up backyard and he needs to clean that out, or she's got too many trees and there's going to be pests and all kinds of things. So <laughs> I, I think what California officials are trying to do and, and their success is, is to be judged by others, but I, I think what they look at in terms of fire and private property is the responsibility to not only keep your land fire safe and and publicly safe, uh, but also to not allow it to your problems or your neglect to become someone else's problem. So you have to balance that with your your own right to do whatever you want with your property. I mean, this you we do have private property rights in the state and in the country, and so it's a tough one. It's people don't like to be told what to do. Um, what they're trying to, the needle they're trying to thread is to uh, show or coax folks into saying, look, if you do this, this is good for you. We like it too. We're not telling you, it's, we're not mandating it, but we're kind of showing you how this is, this is, this is actually a, a plus for you, and we're going to help you a little bit through education and a little granting. Because when these fires happen, there is a federal role, particularly with respect to FEMA, if there's significant damage, as we saw with the recent fires here in the fall. Do the feds have any role or any influence or any say in these management practices? Oh, the the, the feds have uh, probably the loudest voice in the room. Um, 60% of the forests in California are owned under the jurisdiction of the U.S. Forest Service, and, and almost half the property, period, or half the land in California is owned by the federal government, various agencies. So they have a big say. Um, they try not to speak too loudly because they're the federal government, and sometimes people get a little resentful. So there are, for example, there's a task force that is a statewide task force that's dealing with the problem or looking at the problem of forest health in terms of the trees and the dying trees, and uh, there are 80 different entities, state, local, federal. I mean, that, I don't, there's no table large enough to, to, <laughs> around which uh, they can have a conference. So the federal government has a huge role to play. Um, interestingly, in California, usually the federal government is the big deep pockets people that sit around and say, well, okay, I guess I have to pull out the checkbook. California has quite a lot of dough to put on this, and, uh, and, they, and they, we spend it because it's, it's a serious problem. It's, a, it's, it's an issue for us. So it, when you write the checks, you have a bit more say. I, I, it's, it sounds a bit crass, but it, it's – if you say we're going to take this on, we will take on this responsibility, even though it's a U.S. forest, then it gives you a lot more leverage. It gives you a, a, a louder voice. And finally, as a result of the fires that recently happened here, has new attention been focused on this? Is everybody taking another look at all of these issues? For the, for the story I did, I, I talked to a lot of legislators and with respect to the the horrible damage and and loss of life uh in these fires they said you know never let a a good crisis go to waste so it's t they feel like this is a moment it everybody it got everyone's attention what happened uh in the wine country and in southern california nine billion dollars of private property cl insurance claims just in the month of october and then 
the number of deaths. I mean, it was shocking. So, yeah, it got everybody's attention, and uh, we, I think we all know how that works. Something horrible. We talk about it, talk about it. People wave their arms. Scientists put out reports, and there's a commission being California. We study it, and then it's in your face, and it is an undeniable uh, problem that, that just has – it's a crisis. So probably that – what I just said has been said many, many, many times <laughs> in the last decade, given the fire regime that, that California faces. So – Yes, it is uh, at the top of, of uh, a lot of to-do lists. The, the governor mentioned it in his State of the State address in January. Uh, as I said, legislation is, is being written um, and more task force are being formed. It, I think we're just going to have to see what happens. It really, it, it, it's probably not one of those problems that can simplistically be solved or resolved by money. You, you can throw money at it, but it's going to take kind of a paradigm shift. How do we manage forests? How do we look at that and explain that to people so that it's accepted and kind of part of how we, we see ourselves in our environment? Uh, and then are we going to uh, continue this and, and stick with it as a, as a policy and keep all that in mind? Are we we're going to do it for a short term and then move on to the next thing? Hard to know. Wait till the next earthquake. We'll see what we move on to. <laughs> Julie Cart, her article on forest management appears online at Cal Matters. Julie, I thank you so much for spending some time with us today. My pleasure, Jeff. Thank you. You're listening to NapaBroadcasting.com. Napa Valley Radio for the way we live now.